Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth regarding God's omniscience. God tells you, walk in obedience. Walk in the Spirit. Now, do you think God has not considered all the obstacles from the day He saves you to the day He takes you home? Do you think something has slipped God's mind? He doesn't know about this person that hates you, whatever. You think He doesn't know all that? If He brought you this far and He's led you this far, will He not go before you? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, you've joined me here at the top of today's program to kick off another new series, the Book of Deuteronomy. What do we need to know as we get started? Well, the Book of Deuteronomy is Moses' last will and testament, much like Paul's epistle of 2 Timothy. Both of these men were writing knowing that soon they would both be removed from the earth. Now, the theme of the book of Deuteronomy is obedience to God. The motive is love for God, and the outcome is blessing from God. The people would be moving from a life of wandering to a life of occupying and settling the land. A life of leadership under Moses for 40 years was preparatory, and it was presented by the law. Now they would move under Joshua, who represented life of faith. Now the Red Sea represented the death of the old man as they came out of Egypt, but the crossing of the Jordan would represent the life of the new man of faith. God would no longer be seen in a visible form from day to day, much like he did in the wilderness, but he would always be present fighting on their behalf as they sought him and obeyed him. So the second generation will get the same law and prepare them to enter the promised land by faith. And we will see how this develops through the book of Deuteronomy. And we pray that you uh, respond to us in faith also, in simple truths. If the messages are ministering unto you, contact us, get a hold of us through email, whatever. We just want to make sure that we know exactly how the radio programs are ministering to those who are listening. And we appreciate that response. God bless you. Aaron, tell them how they can get in touch with us. Well, of course. Address your comments via email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Or if you prefer pen and paper, you can always address a note to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And our website, calvarychapelpasadena.com. And you'll find a lot more information about the church and resources and the various ways to get in touch with us while you're logged on. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. But for now, let's get to today's teaching entitled, The Journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beauty of the Old Testament is that it is full of stories that we can all identify with. For the people that are described are real people as you and I. They have the same weaknesses, they have the same failures. For that reason, we are told in the New Testament that Whatever things were written before were written for our learning and that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. That's in Romans 15, 4. We are also told that all these things happened to them as examples. And they are written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, if this is true, then we should be able to find some important lessons for our lives as we study 
Israel's journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. The prophet Moses reminds the second generation who was ready to go in to inherit the promised land about the journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea and the reasons why they failed to enter in the first time. Remember, this is the second generation. The first generation did not go in. Those from 20 years upward, not one survived, except for Caleb and Joshua. The people that are hearing the law for the second time, it's the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy, are all from the ages of 20 to 40. They were the ones who were from one day old to 19 years of age when they first came here. Now they've come here the second time. You see, Sinai is a place where each of us have met God face to face, knowing that he has delivered us from the world, a type of Egypt. Kadesh Barnea, on the other hand, is a place of faith, a place of decision to trust God despite what I see, feel, or don't understand. It is a place of faith and decision. And so Moses points out to them that the journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea was accompanied by three things, three very important things he reminds them of. Two words to remember as you go through Deuteronomy. One is remember. The other one, obey. Remember and obey. Let me read you verses 1 through 8, and I'll give you the three things that accompany the journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. And we're going to take the order backwards from the text. Once in a great while, this is the best way to take it because it shows the progression and the order is better. Let me read the eight verses. These are the words which Moses spoke to all, the, all of Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness in the plain opposite Suf between Param, Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Disahab. It is an 11-day journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, in the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, and he dwelt Heshbon, and king uh, Og of Basham, who dwelt at Ashtoreth in Enri. On, on this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain, to expound this law, saying, the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, and in the lowlands, in the south, and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set this land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give them and their descendants after them. Moses points out to them that their journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea was accompanied by three things. One, we're going to take them backwards, verse 7 and 8. God's promises regarding the journey. Secondly, God's preparation for the journey, verse 6. And then thirdly, you have God's timing of the journey, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at the first, 
The journey was first accompanied by God's promises regarding the journey. Notice first that the journey was to go to a specific place. Verse 7 tells us. The mountains of the Amorites to the south to the Red Sea. Now remember that the Amorites were those inhabitants of the land, just one of many. And you remember when God came to Abraham and he told him that he was going to give him a land but first he was going to put his people in a 400-year bondage in Egypt and then deliver them? Why did he say that he had to put them in there for 400 years, 430 years? He says, because the abomination of the Amorites was not fully come, Genesis 15, 16. What does the abomination of the Amorites mean? It means that God, some way, somehow, at some time, in whatever manner, communicated to the Amorites of the land that what they were doing was wrong and asked them to repent. And God gave them a set amount of time for their abomination to be full before judgment would fall. Did not God give 120 years to Noah for the world? 400 some years to the Amorites? You see, God always warns before he brings judgment. Now the time has come. And here, first of all, he describes the mountains of the Amorites. Now God was going to use the children of Israel to bring judgment on those who had not repented. Notice, secondly, in verse 8, that the journey was in order to possess the land. It wasn't simply just to take a trip. But there was a purpose for that trip. God said he had set the land before them. Notice that. He had set the land before them. The land was chosen by God for them. Notice the land was given to them by God. The land was chosen and the land was given. God not only chose your maid, but he gave you your maid. That's a gift. You will be held responsible for it. You are to cherish that gift. God does not make mistakes. Notice that God told them also that to go up to possess the land. Now, the obstacles had been considered by God. God tells you, walk in obedience. Walk in the Spirit. Now, do you think God has not considered all the obstacles from the day He saves you to the day He takes you home? Do you think something has slipped God's mind? He doesn't know about an old occasion. He doesn't know about this person that hates you. He doesn't know about that you're going to run into your old boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever. You think he doesn't know all that? He knows everything. He considered all the obstacles. You see, the walled cities would not present a problem to them, even as Jericho. They just marched around and yelled, and the walls came tumbling down. The giants of the land would not be a threat to them, even as God had allowed Esau to destroy the giants of the land in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Now, if God did that for Esau, how much more for his children? The help of God was given. It was a given. If he brought you this far and he's led you this far, will he not go before you? God has saved you. God has saved me. Will he not continue to fight on your behalf and to resort to the necessary things for your life and mine? What a parallel, huh? You see, we're not that different from these people. The Lord had told them in Exodus 23, 27 that he would put fear in the heart of the inhabitants of the land. 
He reminds them here again in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 25. He says, This day I will bring, I'll begin to put the dread of the fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. What happened when the spies went out to the city of Jericho with Rahab? Didn't Rahab say, hey, listen, men's hearts are melting because of you guys. God was faithful. God puts us in situations, then we all, oh, this and that. God knows all about it. God has considered it. And you have to walk in faith and believe him for that. And so do I. He even says that he will send hornets before them to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and the Hittites in Exodus 23, 28. He would even use nature to fight on their behalf. In the American Revolution, used torrential rains and different things, fog, to impede the progress of the British because God was on behalf of the Americans. We saw it in the war with Israel in 73 as one Israeli tank fought off multitudes of them and survived. God is the same today as he is yesterday and forevermore. Deuteronomy 1.30 says plainly that he would fight for them. He says, the Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He's the same God that delivered you. He will fight for you as he did back then. No different. But notice the third thing regarding God's promises of the journey. Still in verse 8, the journey was in fulfillment of the oath to patriarchs. This is something God has sworn about. The Lord swore to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God swore to Isaac, Genesis 26, 24. God swore to Jacob, Genesis 28, 13. And God swore to their descendants, Genesis 28, 14. That he would give them the land. Now the Bible says that God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man should repent. Shall he not do it? Shall he not say it and then perform it? Numbers 23, 19. Of course he will. What he says he will do, he shall do. The prince of preachers, Spurgeon, has an interesting thing to say about the promises of God. Listen to him. If all my senses were to contradict God, I would deny every one of them and sooner believe myself to be out of my right mind than to believe that God could lie. And I desire to feel that in every emotion of my spirit, every throb of my heart, every thought of my brain, and everything that is contrary to the plainly revealed truth of God, I will count myself a fool and a madman, and I will reckon God to be wise and true. Hmm. Times in our life when we say, man, did God make a mistake? Why me? How come? Doesn't God know? God has promised to the believer in his journey through life that there is protection within the boundaries of God as he defines them. He told us there in verse 7, the boundaries. Now, there is no protection outside of God's boundaries. Do you know that? There's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness, but there's no protection outside of God's boundaries, the child of God. The love of God versus the lust of the world, 1 John 2.16. The love of God is the boundary to keep you from the lust of the world. 
You don't stay in the love of God, the lust of the world will get you. The pleasure of God versus the lust of the world or the lust of the eye. If I am desirous to please God, then I will not be quick to please the lust of my eye. There's the boundary, the pleasure of God. Then the will of God versus the pride of life. The will of God is to be my absolute passion. If not, then pride will step in. You see, there's protection only in the boundaries that God has set. I get out of those boundaries. I am open to destruction. God has promised to the believer that in his journey through life, he has the ability to overcome the flesh, Satan, and the world. That's a promise. God has given to you and myself all things pertaining to life and godliness in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. All things. Not some things that come to your life. All things. And how can you respond? In godliness. Now, that's a heavy scripture. Grab a hold of it. When you think God's made a mistake, okay? It, it, he hasn't. He's given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. God has also promised to us that he will never allow us to be tested more than we're able, but with every testing shows us a way of escape in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's another verse I don't like. Because that means that for everything God allows to come, testing, trial, or temptation, I can escape it. Now, will I choose to escape it? That's a whole different matter, was it not? And then if that's not enough, God promises me that his grace is sufficient to make his strength perfect through my weakness in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. In other words, sometimes God will say, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Just zip it and grow up. Trust me. My grace is sufficient. See, now I hate these kind of verses because it means I have to be responsible. It means I can't point fingers. It means I cannot make excuses. It means that I can't say I'm dysfunctional. I have to say I'm a sinner. I am disobedient. I am rebellious. God kind of gets you up against the corner, doesn't he? No way out. God has promised that our faith is what makes us an overcomer in 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Our faith in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, not in our ability. But also God has promised to the believer in his journey through life that they can have spiritual victory over the strongholds of the flesh and Satan, which are many. Remember that in chapter 1 of Romans, in verse 29 through 31, we have a a long list. And these areas of the flesh are marked as unrighteousness. Do you realize that God has promised you spiritual victory over these areas of the flesh? Let me read some of them for you. Romans 1, 29 on down. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, bolsters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. There's one list of the works of the flesh. There is another list of the works of the flesh that are found in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 19 through 21, let me read you those. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, 
which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts, wrath, self-ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before, and you also, I have told in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are but two of the many lists throughout the New Testament, as well as the Old, of the works of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, that God has promised that we can overcome if we trust and depend upon Him. No one is exempt. We all have different weaknesses, but all of us can overcome these things that God is saying through Him. There is no excuse. There is no cop-out, no justification. You see, God's promises regarding our journey through life are very clear, aren't they? At times as Christians, we make them so difficult. Yeah, but you don't understand. My... No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Let's just sit down and see what God says. And so we try to lay the big trip on the counselor or the other people and say, you don't understand. You're, you're uncompassionate. Well, wait a minute. Let's, let's see if God is. Yeah, you may be true and accurate about me, but let's see if this is true about God. And you sit down and you look at the word, and now we say, well, this is what God says you're at, and this is what you say you should do. Now, are you doing this? Well, no. Why not? I don't want to. Okay, we got the problem, right? Now we're getting somewhere. I don't want to. A Christian can never say, I cannot. All that a Christian can say is, I will not. If we look to the promised verses I just gave you. Now notice, secondly, not only the promises accompany the journey, but in verse 6 it says, God's preparation for the journey accompany the journey. He says, the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Notice first the journey was preceded by a great deliverance. God had judged the gods of the Egyptians for all the plagues were indicative of their gods in Exodus 12, 12. I will judge the gods of Egypt this night. All these judgments, and the last one was the firstborn. God made a difference between the Egyptians and the Hebrews as he separated the land of Goshen from Egypt. The rest of it in Exodus 20, 22, and 23. Great deliverance. They saw the hand of God, the favor of God. God smote the firstborn of every Egyptian, even Pharaoh's house, Exodus 12, 39. They were under the blood. They were protected. They stood under what? The boundary, God said. You stay under my blood, no one will die in this house. You leave the house, you're dead. Boundaries. God delivered them from Egypt with a mighty hand the night of the Passover and with great reward, Exodus 12, 36 to 37. Just as he said. Oh, how can God get us out? We've been here for 400 years and here we're slaves. We don't even know how to think. We don't even know how to leave. We don't know how to follow. We don't know anything. That was one of the problems of the Civil War. Once the slaves were freed, because they had been under somebody else leading them all their life, they, they don't know what to do. God knew that. But God wasn't dependent on their ability, but on His promises. God destroyed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea after the Israelis had crossed on dry ground, Exodus 14, 27, 28. What a great deliverance! What a beginning preparation. Would that encourage you to follow God? It would me. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us that where God leads, He will never leave you or forsake you. An encouraging, simple truth indeed. Now you can request a copy of today's thought-provoking message from our study in the book of Deuteronomy called The Journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Of course, it's available for just $4 on CD. So the title to ask for once again is The Journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address to send Pastor Xavier your comments of our broadcast so that we know where we're being most effective. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. It would be a blessing to hear from you at this time. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you do contact us. Well, it only makes sense that getting the best directions for the journey of life comes not only from the one who directs our paths, but also knows the beginning and the end. Hope you'll make it back next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com